Hello and welcome to another episode of Video Game Logic. Today's episode was recorded on July the 13th, 2021. I'm your host, gaming psychologist, and with me on the CB radio... Caffeine Rage. On today's show, we'll of course be discussing the games that we played this past week. Ubisoft to create Assassin's Creed live service. Tencent does weird, probably bad things. We'll have a weekly community corner with... Uh, one submission that turned into a bit bigger of a thing than the original one, and then a second submission that I don't think turned into a bigger thing. We'll discuss those when we get there, and then if time allows, we will have a steamed discovery queue. Timestamps will be in the show notes following their respective topics, as always, as long as I don't forget. Hello. Hello. What's up? Uh, Nothing. You know, We definitely haven't been uh, sitting here talking for the better part of an hour now. Indeed. Eh, that is our custom, though. That is that is how it goes. This is as much as uh, about us just hanging out, shooting the shit as it is recording yeah, the, a legitimate the, show. Yeah, let's put it this way. The, the podcast is more just a premise for us to send bullshit. Yeah. We have one night a week where we sit and, and play video games or attempt to play video games, depending on how where you are in the past like two months in the timeline. And then you know, we sit and bullshit for a while and then talk about said video games that we play. And we just record it for you guys to listen because, yeah, fuck if I know, you seem to like us enough to stick around, so, hey, thanks. I'll even pay for the feed. I know. Double thanks. I love you. Hate me. <laughs> Never. I love all of you. In my weird, weird ways. Ew. Indeed. Indeed. Oh, I feel weird. Back in working in an office environment again for uh, a whole week now, because last week when we recorded was the last, you know, my, my last that had been my last day working from home. So now I've been working at an office for a week and the chair is less comfortable than my desk chair. But so far, not much has changed. I've been playing a lot of games, some Battletech, which I'm not going to talk about. I've talked about that enough. A lot of tabletop stuff, getting things ready for my Battletech like game that I'm going to run in Tabletop Simulator. Uh, spin tires, which we're going to talk about in a minute. Like just you know, just sitting there openly playing video games at work because you know I get through what I need to do in the day. I do my sessions, I get all my paperwork, and it's like, well, I got the same like two hours that I would have had on in on any other day. Uh, so I'm just going to play games now. And my boss doesn't give a shit. She came in. And like she was like she was just messing with me like, you know, she's she's pretty chill. She walks in. She stands behind me and I'm like, oh, hey, she's like, you know, you still on the clock, right? I'm like, yep. And uh, how's your Hulu? Uh, spe- how's your Hulu shows going? She's like, oh, pretty good. I oh, stopped catty. watching Hulu. <laughs> she's like, oh, pretty good. I stopped watching Hulu to read a book, though. There's only so much screen time I can I can tolerate. It's like, that's fair. I'm not that way, though. She's like, carry on it's like YouTube. Although then people do like to just like drop in and be like, hey, what's up? You're not doing anything. And I, I work in an, my, my office environment. Despite the fact that, you know, I'm in my 30s, I'm still like the youngest person in the office. All of these 40 plus people, mostly women, like will walk in and be like, eh, what's going on? You're not doing anything. Let me talk to you. And after that, I'm like, I don't in my head. I'm like, I don't care. 
about anything that you're saying to me. Like, if you want to tell funny stories or whatever, that's fine. But you come and you like talk to me about stuff, and I'm like, I don't, I don't know anything about this. Just because I'm a man, I don't, I don't know anything about this. Go Google it. Look up a tutorial on YouTube. Uh, uh, refer him to the uh, Dad. How do I po- uh, our channel? I know, right? Although <laughs> one, one, one of them though came in. Her name is Anita. So you know, <laughs> multiple Anitas in our universe, um, or our, you know, whatever. Our circles. Anyway, mm. she was like, do you know how to download Minecraft onto the computer at home for my kid? She's like super Southern. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, that is something I actually know about, Anita. Let me help you. Please. Oh. she's At least she's not willfully ignorant. She's trying. Mm-hmm. She's just not... I don't know. She's got that sort of middle-aged, like later middle-aged... I like thing of like, I'm just not good with technology. Like, but she tries, you know, there's an, another lady I work with who's like also in her forties. And she's like, I don't, I hate that infernal computer crap. That's just some bullshit. I hate that computer makes everything worse. I'm like, Oh, Sarah, honey. <laughs> right. Yeah. But anyways, yeah, I, I need his parents. Uh, one of them, uh, really doesn't want anything to do with technology. And the other one, uh, is happy with her uh, flip phone, and that's about it. Yeah. My yeah. office is... Uh, well, well uh, let's uh, put it this way. Well, I still need to send that package out to you, but... Uh, before... I still need to send you a package. Uh, hey, how about that? <laughs> how about uh, that? Uh, which, uh, did you tell your mom I made uh, unicorn uh, cookies and cream ice cream? Uh, with I did, sprinkles? I did. She, I did. She was like, oh, that's nice. Got like, a, that, was, I, that was her response. <laughs> oh that's nice well, well, well because you because she got so pissy i'm sharing every, every time now right yeah uh but uh tried to give her the air fryer uh that i'm gonna send you i mean it wasn't exactly a surprise that, that uh and she just kind of shuts down on it it's like yeah that's a little too defangled for me yeah my uh, my my new office has a like you know it's it's got a nice kitchen and they've got um a stove and an air fryer and stuff in there and nobody cooks and like the first like two days I I didn't cook today or yesterday I brought leftovers from home but like the first two days I'm there like I'm breaking out the pots and pans and I'm cooking lunch and they're like what are you doing I'm like I'm cooking lunch what are you doing I'm like oh that's fancy like nobody uses his kitchen I'm like why not. I mean, it's not as nice as my kitchen at home, but, you know, I'd, I'd rather cook fresh food. cast iron. Yeah. But, I mean, I'd rather cook fresh food than go spend, you know, $8 at the McDonald's down the street and have heartburn and diarrhea. Yeah. Uh, it's been uh, a fair amount of fast food here lately just because uh, I need a sister. I don't want to go into that on the podcast. Right. Uh, right. But uh, I, I know, I know about that situation. Uh, so, you know, uh, you know. It's definitely easy to fall into that trap of, you know, uh, you know, don't really feel like fixing anything or uh, timing is going to be tough. So just grab something coming home. So I yeah. definitely understand it. But at the oh, same yeah. time, you know, uh, uh, well, today I made uh, chicken drumsticks, uh, hot, uh, 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 sorry, spicy and sweet uh, Brussels sprouts. 
some uh, uh, squash and onions, and white rice uh, for dinner. Sounds nice. And we have enough leftovers for another meal, if not two. And just the price of that, yeah. Uh, would have been, yeah, baby feed one of us. Yeah. I made and corn I don't think- chowder for dinner tonight. I'm going to take a leftover bowl of that and a salad for lunch tomorrow at work. Yeah, about plenty. Uh, well, uh, I made extra rice uh, to be able to uh, make uh, another Asian night. Uh, going to do um, uh, just some pot stickers, uh, frozen pot stickers, and uh, egg rolls is you know kind of a lazy meal. Uh, but also planning on doing a nacho night. Which nachos for dinner doesn't sound uh, that exciting, but I do restaurant style. Yeah, you, you know, can like make really fancy nachos, or like quote, ma- fancy. Well, I do mountain of nachos. You know, a bag of tortilla chips, uh, a bunch of ground beef on it, or d- uh, a different protein. Uh, I do fresh uh, black beans, or I should say, uh, just inst- uh, yeah, power or pressure cook in the instant pot. Uh, a can's worth of black beans uh, that's been spiced up. Uh, dice an onion. Yeah. It, it sounds a lot fancier than what it actually is. Yeah. But at the same time, right? Indeed. I mean, By I way, welcome to the food portion of the podcast, dear listener. I don't think we yeah. had a food portion last week, so. Or, or the last few weeks. True. I mean, it's one of those things that it, it sounds a lot fancier than what it really is, but. It just, there's not a lot of places around here that serves nachos like that until you start to get into town. So, right? Yeah. And then, yeah. And none of them do, like, the family-style massive uh, uh, play of nachos. Yeah, I like to make nachos. Um, We don't do it super often, which is weird, because it's relatively easy to make a, a very filling and delicious meal. Uh, let's just put it this way. It's one of the things that needed demands every so often. Which is a good sign, at least. Indeed. So, speaking of demanding things, um, hell of a segue, but what the hell. I demand that we talk about games <laughs> on this video games podcast. Ah, oh, come on. We're only, what, 10 minutes in and you know, just now getting to games? Something like that, yeah. Uh, yeah, That's pretty average for us. I mean, I didn't get to play as much of this as I wanted to, mostly because I had a little bit of a computer scare because there was a loose plug in my uh, system. So when I put it on its side to try to install some RAM, it worked its way loose, and I just noped out for a day because, right? Yeah, you've been very recently traumatized by computer issues. Yeah, I'm, I'm starting to think, uh, uh-oh, uh, <laughs> I just uh, no cube. It's not too late. Well, I'll put that in the show notes. You uh, made it. Just under yeah. the wire. I'm gonna respond. I saw, to him. Yeah, I just saw that pop up. Yeah, C- carry on though. I'll put this in the show notes. We'll talk. We'll we'll discuss yeah, so I that. I wanted to play this a bit more, but I didn't get to because didn't get to game any Saturday because that's when my computer issue arose. And then, uh, it wasn't till like late Sunday that I got my computer back together and then we played more Earth Defense Force so and then I've been kind of enamored with the other game but eh 
So the other game I want to talk about before we dive into Stone Runner and then reconsider you know, actually recording this week again is the coin game. This is a game that uh, was brought to my attention by a YouTuber uh, probably about a year ago now. And it's a simulator of arcade machines or really redemption style arcades where you go in, play a game, win tickets, then go exchange the tickets for prizes. However, it's not just that. There's a couple different modes on this. There, Well, actually, three different modes. There's a quick play where you just load up really any of the 40 or so uh, re or, 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 yeah, rebranded arcade machines. And these are everything from uh, Whack-A-Mole to Skee-Ball to uh, the different coin pushers. There's you know, you know, the... Uh, the big spinning uh, prize wheel that you know is completely weighted against you. Stacker games, Pre- pretty much a-, a lot of what you would remember if you like went to a-, a-, a mid to late '90s arcade or Chuck E. Cheese or that sort of thing. Right. Well, there's that mode. There's birthday mode where. Uncle Phil is giving you $200 and say, and rented out the arcade for you. And you, it's basically free roam, explore this island, which I'll get to, uh, with ability to refill your money and, you know, turns off a lot of the survival aspects. And then there's survival mode, which is basically my summer car, only you're an 18-year-old kid who still lives at home, and you're trying to make money to go get money to spend it at the arcade. Although, admittedly, survival mode is still a little bit lacking. It's the one that they just started to implement in the last patch or two. But it takes place, this entire game takes place on this island of uh, Islandsville, I think it was. And the entire place is populated by robots, except for you, who is a a human kid. (laughs) And they're all these egg-shaped, weird robots. No explanation about why that is, other than Uncle Phil got rich inventing all of these uh, robots that populate the island. And it's just kind of go around, play arcade games, uh, explore the island, uh, find secrets on the island, uh, win prizes, go to, uh, go to the pawn shop, turn those in uh, to more money to go play the arcade some more. Uh, maybe go cut some grass or, uh, you know, yeah, I take up a babysitting job to uh, earn a little bit of extra cash to go, you know, go down to the UFO point to go to the arcade there to ride the go-karts, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's a very simple premise, but it does it so damn well. And it, it, this is an early access game. This is made by, I believe it's a husband-wife team that uh, makes their money through doing Unity assets. And this is actually their first game. They have quite a few, some of which have kind of mixed reviews. Some of them have bad reviews. But this one's kind of gotten a uh, a little bit of a cult following just because of the, you know, well, what it's uh, simulating, you know, that you know, kind of uh, late 90s, early 2000s era, even though you do have a smartwatch. But, eh. Uh, of... Uh, 
that era of uh, arcade machines, you know, when this t- type of thing was the, was what happened, you know? What was mm-hmm. the typical entertainment? And I know I, I, part of this is probably nostalgia, and even though I don't have a huge nostalgia for this type of arcade, it, it still feels a little nostalgic, which is a little strange, you know? Maybe it's yeah. just the fact that you don't see these uh, things anymore. Uh, especially a fully decked out arcade, you know? Yeah. There's um, one in Chattanooga that popped up recently. Like, right, I don't know if it's still open because I remember it popping up right before COVID, like maybe in, you know, six months before COVID. Oof. That was, timing. you know, they called it a retro style arcade and it was literally just like an arcade from the 90s. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm guessing they had, you know, gathered old arcade machines or, you know, maybe put some together using Raspberry Pis or whatever. And, um, but it was like, I guess it technically it was a barcade because it had adult, you know, you go in and you get alcohol and, and food and stuff. Um, like I, I, I checked it out like online once and then I went to go, like I was playing, I was going to go one time just to check it out. I thought it'd be neat. And then I didn't. And then COVID. Yeah. I mean, I look on Google for arcades near me and you, you, know, you find a couple bowling alleys, which typically had a small arcade on them. And that's really it until you know, you start getting pretty far away from me. Yeah. And the fact that, yeah, some of these I never got a chance to play, you know. Uh, and uh, there's also the idea that it's a lot fairer than the real-life versions because some of these were hugely rigged against you. Especially, like, the claw machines where uh, the claw machines in this one, it, you know, they feel a lot more obtainable, right? Yeah. Uh, when in real life, claw machines are, you know, anything but. And there's, I think, like four or five different arcades. Uh, there's a carnival that's in town uh, that uh, you could go play carnival games. Uh, probably the most fair carnival you'll ever encounter. Uh, UFO Point, which is uh, has the go-kart. There's another arcade that has mini golf. Uh, the local arcade near your house uh, is kind of your uh, pseudo, uh, pseudo uh, typical like nineties uh, small arcade. Uh, there's bowling arcade games. I mean, there's quite the gambit. And survival mode, like I said, is still very rough around the edges. But it has this kind of element of you know building up to you know, uh, that kind of anticipation of being able to go to an arcade uh, for the entire day and just goof off. Yeah, it, 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 like I said, it, it strikes a, a strange balance to me, and I'm not—I can't quite put my finger on it. It might just be you know, sort of like how Massimo Car does it for car enthusiasts. Yeah. I'm uh I'm still scrolling through like looking for the only thing that I can find that even looks halfway decent is a Dave and Buster's in Chattanooga. And I didn't know there was a Dave and Buster's in Chattanooga. I thought the closest one to me was in Atlanta. Although I mean this looks like, you know, it hasn't really been updated in ten years except for the VR stuff that they keep showing off in these pictures. But yeah. Yeah, like the uh well the uh developer uh, for this they also did an rc racing game which 
kind of pissed some people off when they went more arcadey with it than what they when what people wanted. But eh, right? Yeah. But they have gotten games out of early access before, so as it stands right now, yeah, you know, I'm kind of happy with it because quite a few different games in it, and even if yeah, even if uh, the survival mode doesn't get fleshed out as much as it uh, they promise, uh, you know, going into birthday mode and just exploring around, hitting like a carnival, is an experience that you don't really get to do that much anymore, you know. Yeah, those sorts of things are, even before the COVID times, I think, were becoming less and less popular in most places. I mean, uh, there was one in town, but I didn't get to go uh, this year, just because of how kind of things shook out. Yeah. But, and, you know, it wasn't populated as this, which is kind of sad. Oh, and if you're wondering, yes, there is a creepy animatronic band that you could uh, sit and watch play as well. <laughs> yes, that is absolutely what i needed for, for uh, the for that authentic uh you know chuck e cheese experience right yeah and yes uh the arcades uh, some of them do have that print of carpet and you know the that print of carpet if you've ever been in one i do know that print of carpet like i can't visualize stuff but like i know it like it's <laughs> it's i i see it i feel it i'm breathing in the weird smell from that particular carpet. Yeah, and the fact that it's always slightly sticky. Yeah. But yeah, if you have any nostalgia for these types of games, definitely grab it. Uh, I grabbed it on sale during the last Steam sale. Uh, but even full price, it's sub-15 bucks. Well, if they do have a DLC that's literally just a supporter package of, yep, toss it another five bucks, and it has a couple cosmetic things. Uh, yeah. The player models are supposed to get a uh, revamp in the next uh, update or two, which is due before too long. Uh, they're slowly filling out the island. Uh, like, there's a totally not Dollar General. <laughs> uh, um, there and there's a few stores near there that show under construction or you know coming soon. Uh, as hints of you know, more stuff coming to the island to fill out the uh, world a bit more. But overall, mm-hmm. it feels you know, pretty solid. Just, you know, it feels like it's in that last stage of early access where you know, starting to you know, fill out uh, game mechanics more than the actual game world. But yeah, kind of impressed with it, with where it is right now. So go play some skee ball because it's probably about the only place you can these days. <laughs> oh. And, and as we know from Dogma, Jesus loves some skee-ball. Jesus does love skee-ball. I also like skee-ball. Um, all right. Well, uh, let's... Uh, 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 play our digital uh, <laughs> heroin some more. Indeed. Let's, let's talk about SnowRunner. So uh, you and I have both played and talked about the, the previous game, the first game, Spin Tires. Mm-hmm. Um, was okay. Was Mud Runner? There were spin tires and okay. then Mud Runner. So spin tires was the original, if I recall correctly. And then the company dicked over the developer who created Mud Runner as kind of a response. Mm-hmm. So then, uh, after all that, 
we saw the sequel release on Epic about a year ago. And, you know, it's hit the end of its exclusivity slash prison sentence, so it's now, you know, been released to other platforms, and we're playing it through Game Pass. SnowRunner, and it's... Well, there's a... Uh, uh, the, the beginning of the game really had me down on it, because it is so damn linear. They changed a lot on how the game plays, and that is mostly down to... The idea of Mudrunner and Spin Towers was you're put down on a map and you're told, haul some goddamn logs, take them to this location, take them to this location, and uh, accumulate so many points per location. Long logs would, uh, if we're three, medium two, and short logs one. How you did it, they, we don't care, just go do it. Stonerunner tries to add a lot more, and they do add a hell of a lot more through just different missions that you could in, uh, encounter, different uh, stuff to do, really. Uh, although, it wasn't very endearing to me at first, just because of how linear it is. It puts you on the path of, okay, well, you need to open up the map, and first thing you need to do, build a damn bridge. How do you build a bridge? Okay, well, you haul stuff from this place and from this place. And it's already to feel like it was going to be very linear because of that. Not a lot of player choice outside of, okay, I've opened up this area. Eh, okay. Then it starts to finally open up. Thankfully, it doesn't take the, yeah, the 20 hours that JRPG does. And it's kind of grown on me because of that, where it's still chafes me at times where there's some artificial roadblocks. Sometimes it's just the fact that, oh, well, this bridge is out and there's no other way around it. Uh, you're going to have to do this and if you want to continue on this uh, set of maps. Or what really gets me is the upgrade system. The upgrade system is a lot better than Mudrunners, but a lot dumber in that they gate off so much stuff behind the, the profile progression. As you uh, complete jobs, uh, complete missions, find things, you get experience, which eventually levels up your profile. Which, for some things, uh, allows you to buy them. And there's some things that feel like must-haves that are locked behind a fair amount of levels. Which is just dumb. Yeah, the level progression is stupid. That's my big problem with this game. So going back to one of the first things that you said, the beginning is a little bit linear for the tutorial, but you and I approached that differently because I just rushed through the tutorial portion. And within like an hour, I was, you know, out and about to, to well, do see, whatever I, I want I was, and tackle them. I was bashing I my head on uh, the borders, trying to figure out ways around it, you know, trying to yeah. find my own way, which, yeah, right. Yeah, but so, you know, I went through the tutorial really quickly and then unlocked the map or, you know, got got past the linear part and then started tackling those sort of objectives in my own way. And I feel like the first map is structured in such a way that it's if you've played the previous Spin Tires games or are, you know, you figure out some stuff pretty early on, you re like you can find the paths where your scout truck can get through to get to other stuff quicker 
Because I did that. I found paths, you know, through the middle of a swamp, you know, spider manning my way with, with the wench or... Yeah, which, like, oh, uh, yeah the, I'm pretty sure yeah, I can wedge does, my truck between these two trees. Yeah, and, the witch uh, does really annoy me at times. Uh, I just never could get it to want to attach where I want it to. Uh, yeah. It seems like the manual winch, it just only wants to connect to other trucks and that's it. So you have to quick use the quick winch and it just seems like it never really wants to attach where I want it to. I've never had that issue. I wonder if you ha- are having some kind of bug or if there's something going on. Because like, the manual winch, I mean, you have to be in range of something for the manual manual mm-hmm. winch to attach. But, I, I mean, I've never had any issue figuring out where be, to attach I'm, my manual winch to something. Oh, no. And I'm still using the default winch. I haven't upgraded any of the winches on any of my trucks. Who, who knows? That That seems weird. Oh, which I do have a error with my game that pops up that's related to the, well, I believe the epic uh, copy protection. That's the remnants of it that's in the game. So whatever the game pops up, uh, if I uh, start a game, it errors out. And the way that I found to fix it uh, on Google was either drop a D- the DLL file that it wants in the... Uh, uh, folder, which that's not going to work because, you know, games for Windows uh, well, I should say, the games for Windows protection or, you know, uh, uh, Xbox Game Pass protection, you know, where they encrypt everything because it's stupid. Or literally just click it and drag it off the screen. <laughs> yeah. Thankfully, I have a secondary screen so I can just drag it up there and have it out of the way completely. But if you don't have a second screen and have that issue, oof, right? Yeah. So, but my, you know, my sort of that, that that stuff aside, like my big issue with the progression system is the way that they do the leveling. If, the way that the level, if they really wanted to include the sort of overall like driver level as a way to unlock equipment, make that be tied to being able to purchase trucks. Like you can find the trucks on the map sooner, maybe if you go exploring, but if you want to buy them outright, you have to be the appropriate level. But equipment locking stuff behind the leveling system makes it to where that certain things are somewhere between extremely absurdly difficult and impossible in the beginning of the game. And that that's not fun. Yeah. I wasted um, a for, lot of time on uh, a couple of missions that uh, was practically impossible because I didn't have the proper tires. Yeah. So yeah, that, that was the example I was going to use. So you, you start with the scout truck and really quickly you can get um, just sort of all terrain, basic all terrain tires. So it you can change a bunch of stuff on your trucks, equipment, and it'll tell you like, you know, this tire has basically this type of rating for these terrains. So it'll say like, you know, uh, for on road conditions. And there's a, there's a lot more paved road that I've seen in this than in other the, the previous spin tires but yeah, which they did fix the paved road issue where you don't wear a rut in paved road which is nice yeah but anyway so you know it'll say like paved you know pavement excellent off-road average mud you know poor you know and that and that's like the highway tire and then you get like the the standard like all-terrain tire and it's like good on-road good off-road you know below average in mud or something like that and for the scout vehicles, you can get the all-terrain tires pretty quickly, and that's good enough, that in combination with the winch, to get just about anywhere. You might need the some actual mud tires to do some of the more difficult, um, you know, missions or 
challenges or whatever with them. But for at least the medium-sized trucks, you have to be level six before you can even get all-terrain tires. There's only one truck, and and it it was an upgrade that I found that um, was an upgrade for all-wheel drive for the medium truck. So that would make it at least somewhat useful if you weren't trying to haul too heavy of a load. You could combine, you know, all-wheel drive with a diff lock with a winch to get through some of the more difficult areas, but you couldn't take it down into, like, any swampy or boggy areas. You wouldn't have any traction with your tires. And sometimes even the winch couldn't pull you out, especially if you were trying to pull a trailer. It's just stupid. That is stupid. I I like the leveling system. If they're going to use it, I would like it for just vehicles, like, you know, gate certain vehicles, the purchase of certain vehicles behind that but not the equipment. So, and and we're saying purchase. Did you, I don't there there's money in the game. You earn money for doing missions and um yeah, it's if not you play in like action. Yeah, if you play in yeah, thankfully. If you play in hardcore core mode, you have to spend money on like everything. If you just play in the normal mode, um money is for purchasing upgrades for your trucks, which they go into like an inventory. So, and it's I think stuff is shared. At least there's some stuff that's shared between vehicle classes because I can see for like the medium highway trucks that i have or whatever the classification is they like certain stuff is shared so it'll say like you know yeah. I have one of an item in inventory and if i equip it on a truck it goes out of the inventory but i can swap stuff around if i want to so you don't have to buy every single upgrade for every single vehicle if you don't want to yeah that's uh, uh pretty much uh, what it is is and you could also find some upgrades out in the wild so uh you'll get one copy of it but you can also see, okay, well, this is for this truck, this truck, and this truck. Well, it kind of sucks if you know you don't have those, and oh, those are also level gated, so right. Yeah. Um, I really like the way that this is set up. Spin tires and sort of by extension, Mud Runner, um, were you know technical, very much felt like technical demos. The original Spin tires definitely a tech demo. Mud Runner felt like it had some more content in it with just more maps. And it's some of the, um, and maybe I'm conflating some mod content with some of what I, you know, thought was in the actual game, but definitely, you know, some maps, some additional vehicles, um, and things like that. Uh, this feels like a game, you know, they took that concept, the concept of, you know, all of this technical work into their off-roading system and a really solid base and then turning it into a playable game. You know, there's, there's, it we've just got the base game you know through game pass there's three major areas one in michigan one in alaska and one in a country whose name i don't remember uh, um, so it starts with a t yeah uh tehran no not tehran i i don't know but there uh, are three there, there's three locations but each place has four maps each pl- yeah there's three major uh, locations Armir, and russia russia okay. Yeah. And then there's uh, DLC maps, which we won't have access to because Game Pass. Yeah. Which are all Russian or Canada. Or, or sorry, there's another uh, pair of Russian maps. There's a pair of Canadian maps. There's two Wisconsin maps. And then another set of Russian maps. Yeah. But, you know, there's sort of a theme to each of the uh, locations. Um, this for, so for Michigan, there was like this massive flood 
that um, has, you know, destroyed huge, you know, swaths of the area. And you're there doing like disaster relief and helping to rebuild stuff by, you know, transporting these materials around. Um, and that's sort of the, you know, it's, it's just a simple gimmick. Adds a little context. There's little blurbs of flavor text on the missions whenever you get them or tasks. I think it just calls them tasks um, that you're given. And uh, there seems to be a little bit of sort of a story. Maybe story is a bit generous, but, you know, there's these like three companies in the area or three entities that have like a series of of tasks that you do that spread out across the maps. And I've already got a couple of tasks that start on one map and end on another map. Like you have to take, you know, take supplies from the, the storage depot here in the town out to the dam so that they can repair a thing, you know, and th- those are pretty neat. You know, nothing like crazy, but it encourages you to like, okay, well, I'm, you know, in order for me to get this, you know, big truck from the warehouse all the way across, you know, here and there to the next map with the the dam and down to the dam. Before that, I need to make sure that I've cleared the rock slides blocking the road and built the bridge and, you know, repaired the bridge and um, built the, uh, I guess it would be also like a bridge, but, you know, to help get across like muddy terrain as a, you know, as opposed to having to try to like drag it through areas that aren't prepared. And I just, I, I really go for that sort of progression stuff and that, that context. Um, and there's, I mean, there's going to be a lot of content here unless the other two, you know, main locations, Alaska and, uh, whatever Russia are somehow like smaller, but I don't think so based on looking at the maps for them, you know? Yeah. It looks like all of them are four uh, square kilometers. Just uh, looking at uh, uh, an interactive one, yeah, which is a pretty decent size. Yeah, the the maps are bigger than they were in Spin Tires. I at least the base maps from Spin Tires were something like two square kilometers. I think there was one that was really bi- like way bigger. Okay, but... there there are a couple that's smaller. Okay, but they're more focused. Uh, there's one. I'm trying not to look at spoilers so because i kind of want that sense of discovery so i'm just turning i found an interactive map website and turned off everything one that's one kilometer uh, square kilometer one that's two square kilometers but it's more rectangular which is interesting uh alaska once again has the second map is a, a lot smaller uh as is the third but it's also more rectangular and then the fourth one is also a bit smaller. So it looks like it d- really depends. Uh, the primary, you know, that first map that you encounter is the big one. Then there's some that's just depending on where you go. Uh, an odd shape, but usually a bit smaller, but it's more densely packed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, generally, though, the maps are are larger and I'm not, I don't know if there's like more paths to get to stuff. I guess it just depends on where you're going and what you're doing, but yeah, I really, really, really like this game. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to keep playing it. Uh, yeah, I don't see myself buying it after game pass though, because everything feels rather linear unless, yeah, I get a really good deal on the DLC. Yeah, I probably will buy it at some point in, 
I don't know, a year or two, there will be a, you know, buy everything bundle or pack or edition of the game. I mean, let's be, put it this way. On, you know, 30 bucks or whatever, and yeah, that's on, what I'll buy. Yeah, on Steam, the SnowRunner plus year one and year two packs are 75 bucks, and that's way too much for me. Yeah, when that gets down to about $30 for the SnowRunner plus year one plus year two stuff, and if there's more beyond, you know, when that's about 30 bucks, that's when I'll and then do all the DLC stuff and, you know, just start the whole thing over and do the DLC. Because, I mean, this is, like, perfect for me to sit and listen to podcasts. It's been a while since I've I've had a game that I'm just, like, sitting and listening to podcasts while I chill out. There are plenty of games that I have played where I do sometimes listen to podcasts. I know I've talked about them on the show. But this game, requi- like, doesn't require me to ever pause my podcast to pay attention. Like, I can pay attention to the driving that I'm doing while still listening to, to a podcast. And that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, see, for me, I've been uh, uh, watching my show on, uh, or shows on uh, Hulu, on the second screen, not counting, you know, know, having the error on that screen, right? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's kind of the thing, is that uh, maybe this would be one I'd get on uh, on Game Pass if it goes off, because, you know, you have that permanent 20% off, right? Yeah. I'm now reading, now looking at reviews for this game. Somebody's bitching about there not being manual transmission. That's a weird part of the up- upgrade system. Like you have to buy a transmission that has mul- that has manual uh, low or high range gears. Otherwise, all the transmissions are automatic. Yeah, the or you'll have low gear, but just a middle range low gear and not an upper and lower range for it. Yeah. Although I'm struggling to find a place to really use high range in this one. It just uh, feels like I never really have a need for it. It might just be, yo, I'm kind of limited on my off-roading knowledge, right? Yeah. I I can't say for sure, because it's been years since I've played, two or three years probably since I've played Mudrunner. Um, I feel like they have changed some things for the better. I always felt like in 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 Mud Runner you could just put it in all wheel drive, low range, lock your diffs, and you could get oh, out that, of oh, any situation if you're patient enough. Uh, that is something else they changed. Unless the the vehicle specifically has locked diffs, you have to be in low gear to have locked differential. Yeah, but um, I, that's not the case anymore. Like you you can't just do that. You can't take a truck, put it in low range, lock the diffs. And, you know, just hold the gas and wait for it to free itself. Which I like. I mean, you know, I'm not a big off-road guy. I've done some, you know, I grew up in, in, I grew up in the backwoods of Tennessee. I've done some some mudding in my time. You know, like, it's just not one of my favorite hobbies, but I've done it. And, like, if you get stuck, like, really stuck, if you just keep mashing the gas, you're only going to make it worse. And so... Uh, Yeah, this is one of those games that it actually pays to not get full throttle. Yeah, there are certainly times to go full throttle, even if you're off-road. There are times when you can, if you've got the right setup, or where it might be beneficial to try to speed through something and hope you don't get bogged down. But most of the time, you don't want to be going full throttle, and that's that's very reflective of real-life off-roading. So, it's good. It's real good. Although, if you don't, like, if you, if you hate anything of what we talk about, like, if you're not a very patient person... 
or if you don't like these types of games, generally speaking, like sort of sim driving games of any kind, um, or if you like something that's a lot more sort of actiony, like even though it's good, this isn't something that I think would drag you in and like change your mind about it. You know, like it it knows what its what its niche audience is. It's playing to that audience, and while it may not be perfect, there's some issues here or there. Like it's not you know some masterpiece that would drag people in who you know, have never been interested in the genre before. At least I, I don't think anyways, but for people who like it, it's good. You know, we were, we were semi joking, but both like if we had, you know, probably dwelled on it for a few more minutes, we would have abandoned recording the show tonight to go play. <laughs> I, I genuinely believe we would have done that if we'd kept entertaining the idea much longer without starting the recording on oh, one other thing that they fixed that, uh, was a huge turnoff for people that was in that played Mudrunner and Spin Tires. Uh, the camera is not offset anymore. Uh, it's it's centered on your vehicle. And, and, uh, and for, that's and, so and, good. That's so good. The uh, offset it, camera was fine, but I prefer it the way it is now. Well, well, for a bit, maybe that's part of why it felt off to me as well. Is that I went into it expecting that weird offset camera. Yeah, I would. You could actually turn that off. There were mods that would turn off the offset camera, or you could go into the the debug menu and turn off the offset camera in in Mud Runner. And I would do that. I I never really liked the offset camera all that much. It made it really weird and difficult to try to stay. Like if you had to, you know, go across a narrow bridge or something, it made it hard to do that. And then otherwise, it just didn't feel good to me. I haven't hit as many. Uh oddball camera bugs. I've hit a couple uh, similar to how Mudrunner and Spin Tires would, if you go across a bridge, suddenly the camera decides oh, let's look directly down up from the top of the vehicle. Yeah, I haven't had that happen. Has that happened I, to you? I had it for a split second going across the, uh, a bridge. But I just went to first person mode. And Oh, actually working gauges, by the way. Yeah. I, I appreciate that. I, I haven't spent too much time in first-person mode. I checked it out. Um, I'll use it for some things, but not others. The only camera issue I've had is I got kind of stuck, um, and the camera got a little freaked out. Like it didn't seem to know where to go, you know. And it would, it would, it wasn't spinning, but it would swap back and forth really quickly. Like it was clipping through something, and it would just like look the opposite direction for a second, and then. I don't know. It it tweaked out for a minute, but I just recovered my truck because I was like, I don't think I'm getting out of this anyways. And then it was fine. It's only happened to me the one time. Like, I I fell off of a cliffside and got (laughs) stuck in some rocks, but my truck was still... Well, I mean, it was still, you know, drivable, sort of. The damage wasn't filled up. I I did the... I don't know if you, you found this or not, but like the camp... What's it called? The campsite or something like that? Or the cabin... And it's just like a, a, a task where um, it's it's like, you've been working really hard. You should go check out these really nice areas to relax. And it gives you a couple of um, somewhat difficult areas to reach, like with like narrow paths and a lot of rocks and a lot of winch points and stuff. And I got to the top and I accidentally went a little too far forward and nosed over the, the, the cliffside and my truck plummeted. And smashed <laughs> into the boulders below and got stuck. Like, whoopsie. Uh, I didn't do that one. The one that 
I did was, you know, the vantage point one where mm-hmm. you know, go up to the top of the mountain and uh, go to this place where the guy has this like, uh, you know, lawn chair set up. Yeah, there's a, out. yeah, there's like a camping chair set up looking out over the, over the area. I thought that was neat. But yeah, uh, obviously it seems like we both like it, although we've both only played single player. So we're going to play, yeah. and, unless something happens, we're going to play it this weekend, multiplayer together. Oh, don't worry. I don't plan on working on my computer anytime soon. That's good to hear. I'm proud of you. Oh. Yeah, damn plug. Yep. So yeah, spin I'll, tires. Although, I'm, uh, one thing I'm not sure is... Uh, there's the contests, which are timed missions, yeah. uh, and I'm not sure if you could redo them for yeah, uh, and just grind them for money. I don't know. I haven't done any of them yet. I started one, and then got to an area where it's, and realized it's like, oh, I can't get across here with my truck because I don't have good enough tires, and so I just abandoned it and left. And I so you were spinning your tires. I was spinning my tires. You're right. So yeah. I, I have am, no idea. Well, and one last thing is that uh, the multiple maps in a location uh, can lead to some interesting ways to tackle jobs because I ended up actually accidentally coming into the backside of uh, the rock uh, uh, rock slide past the town in Michigan. So I ended up just ferrying stuff from the other map in Michigan. Uh, to uh, clear it, uh, actually, a lot easier than I would have otherwise, which was nice. kind of funny. Whatever works, but yeah, good game, like it a lot. Um, so, are you ready to do the news? Uh, I guess so. Cool. Uh, Ubisoft looking to create Assassin's Creed live service platform as our first news topic of the night. Yeah, uh, just when you think I couldn't pl- uh, want to play Assassin's Creed any less, Ubisoft somehow comes up with a way to do it, right? Yeah, did we te- like talk about this last week, like super briefly? As like uh, I, I, uh we this was a uh, rumor ta- or something? No, no, we talked about it personally. I sent you a, a text about it. Okay, uh, 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 it's like as if I couldn't want to play uh, if I wanted to play it uh, less, right? That's right. Conflating that a little bit with with other stuff. It happens, though. <laughs> because this came out on Wednesday. Okay. Yeah. That's right. Unless, unless, we're, unless we're time travelers. Who knows, man? Who knows? Anyways, yeah, so um, Ubisoft making an uh, Assassin's Creed live service. Um, well, Assassin's Ubisoft- Creed Infinity. Yeah, Ubisoft teased that they wanted to do more live services and essentially infinite games. And, well, here we are, right? I'm kind of shocked that Jim Sterling didn't jump on this one. They are... Uh, well, it came up on the Jimquisition, the, their, the podcast that they do. Um, but the Podquisition. The Podquisition. Um but all three of the hosts on that show are very anti-Ubisoft at this point. <laughs> so it came up, and they talked about it, and then all three of them were like, yeah, we're not really going to talk about this too much outside of this show unless something happens that like demands that we talk about it. Ah, well, that explains uh, uh, Jim Sterling uh, talked about the Nintendo Switch, right? Yeah. Um, 
But I, I have to, like, Ubisoft is a terrible company who still has not addressed uh, all of the allegations, backed up by quite a bit of evidence of uh, sexual harassment that takes place in that company that uh, senior executives know about, and in some cases encourage. Uh, they they haven't addressed any of that. Um, gonna Gonna keep, you know, bringing that up every time. But I, I will say that Assassin's Creed seems like a game that game series that actually is kind of set up as a prime, you know, decent attempt at making a live service style game just because it's kind of already baked into the game itself. Like you're a, a dude, that, that background stuff about, and I don't remember any of the company names at one point I knew some of this stuff, but you know, you go into the thing called the animus and it's like, ah, oh, yes, these are your genetic memories. And so it's already got sort of like a built-in hub world of like the laboratories or whatever and people coming in and getting their genetic histories and like playing that or whatever. Like it's got all that stuff built in to give you easy transition points between various different historical timelines. And- yeah, but that would require way too much world building. This is I, I foresee this just being a very just MMO-esque almost. Yeah. Right? I, I all the depth of uh, the locales, I think, is just going to be out the window in this. And it's just going to be almost... <sighs> okay, this is going to sound like a backhand compliment, but let's go with it. It's sort of Hitman-esque uh, levels where... Uh, yeah, it's... Look, we're in ancient uh, Rome. And, yeah, it's sort of Romish, but it's just... Yeah. Uh, kind of the facade without the in-depth uh, detail that they uh, aspire to. Although then they go and whitewash some of the history because Ubisoft tries to be woke, but then are p- complete pieces of shit otherwise, right? Absolutely. I mean, I hear what you're saying, and Ubisoft is definitely a lazy garbage developer, so maybe they won't even go for the low-hanging fruit they've, that they've already seeded over the course of, I don't know, 15 years with this game franchise? Or they'll just reuse... Uh, the locales that they've already done and just kind of remove the story elements and make it eh, MMO-esque. That's kind of my expectation. Yeah. The question is, if this is successful, like, what does it replace? What dies off because Assassin's Creed Infinity becomes popular? Well, like, the uh, the yearly Assassin's Creed release. No, not even just that. Like, other live service games. Like, you know, we've had this conversation multiple times. Like, the the market can only support so many of these games. Like, every company can't have every game be a live service. They want it to be that way. But just, that's not how economics work. In this, you know, capitalist society that they've created, like, there's only so much demand for your supply. And if there's too much, you know, supply... Might just be cannibalizing some of their other games because... Honestly, it just seems like Ubisoft is kind of in their own corner now, cranking out the same games over and over. That's true. So it might just be, you know, they're cannibalizing other Ubisoft uh, properties, or uh, they're making it so that, you know, uh, the people that would have bought uh, Assassin's Creed later down the line are just on Infinite now. I guess. I don't know. What are the what are this slight tangent, but now I'm thinking about it. Like what are the successful live service games that don't count as more traditional MMOs? Like I mean that's 
a good question. I mean, really, the battle royale uh, genre, really, thinking about it. You know, your Fortnites and Apex Legends, that sort of thing. Yeah. That's one. Destiny? Destiny 2? Is that still popular? Uh, Popular enough, I guess, right? Yeah. Um... Yeah, that's pseudo uh, uh, live service games. Ubisoft has got the Division already, or I guess the Division 2, which they tried to set up as a live service, but I mean, Mm -hmm. I haven't played that in about a year. I was playing that this time last year. Quite a bit, actually. I played that a I mean, lot. If you, I mean, if you want to really stretch the definition, the MOBA genre. Yeah, I guess. But you're right. That is a stretch. That feels very much like a stretch. Mm-hmm. So. Oh, Avengers. Don't forget Avengers. Because I said, everybody I else said has. Su- I said successful. That knocks out Avengers and I, Anthem. I, no, and... no, 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 no. It made money. It's a success. Sure. It made some money. It didn't Not... make all the money that they wanted, but it technically I, is a success. I 100% and, and, and believe they, that they lost they money just, on that project overall. And our, Well, it depends on you know, how much Hollywood uh, accounting you want to do, but uh, they are doing essentially a spin-off or expansion pack or whatever the hell for Guardians, Guardians of the Galaxy. The Galaxy. So, yeah. you know, obviously it was successful enough. Yeah, but um, I mean, I can't I can't think of any others. I don't know, maybe there's some other. I guess Forza Horizon, kind of. Kind of, uh, especially with the latest game, and it does look like they're leaning more into that in the next one. Yeah. It's kind of a, you know, always evolving changing game i'm sure there's something that we're forgetting or you know with a if with with a more you know slightly different definition oh with a slightly different definition maybe i wouldn't be yawning with a slightly different definition you know there might be some other games that we would include but kind of the way that i think of live service games like yeah it's like fortnite and apex legends and destiny and, you know, like, those are the ones that I think of as being the most successful. You know, like, yeah. Who knows? Maybe there is room for another. I just don't see it. I just don't see it. I think that this game, when it releases, is gonna, you know, release with a, you know, a whimper. You know, it's gonna like a wet fart. And maybe it'll pick up some traction, but none of them release, you know, none of them are in a good state when they release. Not a single damn one of these games is ever in a good state when it releases. Mm-hmm. I mean, you and, can say that really for uh, the action shooter genres as well, because, yeah. Uh, I mean, <laughs> uh, H1Z1, remember that? No. <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> right. I don't think many people do at this point. But yeah, I just, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. But with Ubisoft, I hope I'm right. I hope this game is garbage and nobody buys it and it's a failure and they lose. Yeah, but of course, we are the vocal minority and, you know, well, FIFA makes stupid amounts of money every year. Indeed. So, right. Yep. Okay, uh... Let's let's just Oh and mind you, this project is still years away. This is another one of those we're releasing this yeah in like twenty twenty five. So we'll talk about this, you know. See you in a few years, right? 
Yeah, or maybe we'll all be lucky enough to have all died by then, and it won't matter. It's just the world will explode. It'll all be over. The the cold embrace of death warms my, my heart. I mean, we survived COVID, well, so far. So far. But maybe we probably won't survive super COVID that comes from all the idiots who don't get vaccinated. Hot takes, hot takes. Yeah, but don't worry. I had my aborted babies injected, so I'm fine. Absolutely. Me too. Uh, don't get you started on your mother again. And yep. Yeah, or my grandmother. All right. Um, let me go back up here to my editorialized uh, topic. Tencent does weird, probably bad things. So we had two news articles connected to Tencent. Um, we're going to go through each of them. Uh, this first one is definitely bad, not probably bad. Tencent deploys facial recognition to detect minors gaming at night. Um, this is a well. This is also uh, a Chinese thing because uh, you know, Tencent is the uh, you know, essentially state gaming in China. Yeah, um, this is so because most games or most gaming in China and I mean really in lots of places, maybe most of the places is mobile gaming. Um, they're going to be using facial facial recognition from like phone cameras and stuff to detect who's playing. Um, what games and when the spin on this is that oh it's to stop children from playing games at at nighttime and past when they are supposed to as as we dictate to you but i mean let's be real here they're going to be gathering a shitload of of more you know facial recognition data and uh privacy data and other like who knows what kind of data they're going to get yeah but one of that winnie the pooh masks uh, just uh, became a hot ticket item there Oh yeah, definitely. Sorry, um, sorry. They already were. <laughs> uh, only in Hong Kong. What's his name? Xi Jinping. Yep. Also known as Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> Fight me, China. Bring your army over here. Fight me. I'll lose. I couldn't. I can't beat the Chinese army. But you know that whole cold embrace of death thing. <laughs> Anyways. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's, you know, this is just an ex- an excuse for, you know, a far, far reaching, you know, authoritarian regime that most other, probably all other governments are drooling over at this point, you know, yeah, the ability and, to just, you know, collect all of this data. Yeah, and they're, uh, you know, putting it under the guise of, it's for the children or to combat game addicts or... But honestly, a lot of this should be parroting. Yeah, I mean we we've had our own outcry of you know think of the children with uh, loot boxes, but that's more of shitty practices, and it's not just the children that are being taken advantage of. Yeah, specifically, what the article says is that this initiative is dubbed Midnight Patrol. It's aimed at deterring minors from using quote tricks. To pose as adults between 10 p.m. and 8 a.m. to get around uh, curfew. Is curfew the right word? Whatever. Related to video game, you know, mandated, like, no no gaming between this time if you're a minor. Laws. Um, and they're, they're going to be doing, you know, facial scanning and recognition. And if you refuse to do it or fail the face verification then it treats you like a minor or i mean i guess if you succeed the face verification you are a minor then it um you know 
basically blocks your ac- access to the game or games plural yeah, from uh 10 p.m. to 8 a.m. yeah a local well, pub, of course which uh, yeah, uh, that that's uh, prom tom to be able to you know uh, play on the US servers and uh, ruin our uh, uh, experience with your shitty ping i mean <laughs> with your shitty ping i assume you did that on purpose uh, I wasn't going for the you know the name joke, but sure. Yeah. Um. But anyways, I mean, of course, you know, this doesn't. I, and governments do this all the time. Like m- many, many governments are guilty of this type of thing. You you attack. If I believed him, which I don't really, but if I did, you know, I would I would debunk this by saying like, what you're doing, if your concern is gaming addiction, is that you're attacking the symptom. Not the problem. In ninety nine percent of well, the cases, the problem is that yo, uh, it's a draconian uh, uh, regime over there. Yeah, and they've created these problems over the decades. I mean, it, population disparities, um, gender disparities. You know, get it, not necessarily getting into a a discussion about gender as social construct, but there are millions more men than women in China who can't just cannot if they want to marry and have a traditional family just can't the there's the last time I, I saw anything about this was five or six years ago and i think there were at the time there was something like 15 million more men than women as a you know sort of a, a consequence of china's um child uh you know child policy laws and so people would um work towards having male heirs because as, as part of culture you know that's more important than having having female heirs. You know having women uh, or, or girls, I guess. And so you know there are just millions of men who can't get married, can't date, can't get married, and that had massive, far-reaching social consequences on their society. Um, and that's just one aspect of some of their draconian policies being the root cause of this issue in their culture. But instead of doing something to assist those people, their solution is to, you know, we're going to block access to something that you and your children enjoy. Because it's causing a problem, not us. We're not the problem. You're the problem. But let's be real here that this is all just a, a smokescreen to collect additional you know, data and information on their citizens and do God knows what with it. Well, if there's an uprising, boy, it'll be really nice to have a lot of facial uh, information, huh? Indeed. Because we're definitely not seeing that in Hong Kong right now. Right. And like we said, you know, the U.S. government would love this data. It doesn't. This is one of those things where most of the time I'm like, no, both sides are not the same. But this is one of those things where it's like, oh, yeah, both sides are the same on this one. Because it doesn't matter. You know, either side of the the U.S. government would would shit its pants if it was given access to all of this facial recognition and other data from its citizens like they would and so would can you know canada and you know the uk and australia and you know etc cetera, etc cetera. like all of these places would shit their pants if they got you know all access to all of all of that data on their citizens fuck them anarchy <laughs> attica attica Oh, okay. House, I know, <laughs> I know, I know. It's just I immediately go to house. Yeah, 
what I've watched a ton of house clips over the last couple of weeks, so I know exactly what episode. Well, I don't know exactly what episode that's from, but I I saw that clip a couple of times. Anyways, the other Tencent thing, um, and this one is like the weird one that seems good at first, but somehow because it's Tencent, somehow they'll well, the fuck us that, over. Well, the fact that it's a patent, yeah. Uh, Although Tencent, it is a Chinese patent, which, eh, right? Yeah. Tencent patents a digital will to pass on gaming accounts slash items after death. Oh, oh uh, does that include if you get disappeared by the government? <laughs> um, Probably not, since you got disappeared instead of dead. Like, you know, the official thing would be disappeared by government, even though you're definitely dead. Oh, you're just uh, hanging out with Tank Man and uh, Jimmy Hoffa, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, that that got dark. I mean, we we've, we've already been dark, I think, just in a different way. So, yeah, th- uh, the idea of this is a way to officially say, "Okay, I want these family members to get in access to my accounts or my uh, digital items, uh, depending on the game." After I well, kick the bucket. Yeah. And on the surface, that actually sounds really nice. A way to make sure things uh, propagate that, yeah, you don't have to worry about people figuring out your Steam account. I know Steam, Tencent, not exactly the same. Uh, But having some sort of official capacity to pass on a uh, digital account that you spent years of your life on. Yeah. Although, a little troubling that, yeah, uh, the amount of information that you might have to give up, plus the whole idea that Tencent uh, is alerted somehow to this. I mean, yes, yes, I know. Tencent is an arm of the Chinese government. It's state-sponsored. So, yeah, it's not exactly crazy to think that they would be made aware of somebody dying, but at the same time, little overstep, right? Yeah. Some very personal information to give out. Um, This is uh, not the first time that this has come up. The first time that I'm aware of it coming uh, up, it could have happened before, but it's when Bruce Willis sued Apple for this to, like, give or will, or I don't remember specifically, but, like, he wanted to give his music that he had bought on iTunes to his daughter. I think it was his daughter. And Apple said no, and he sued him for it. And I don't know what happened with that case. It probably didn't pan out. Well, Apple, uh, according to this, does have a beneficiary pr- uh, system, which uh, you could allow Apple accounts and items to be passed down to friends or family after death. So, hey, Apple may do a lot of shitty things and have a lot of shitty policies, but hey, they have something, right? Yeah. So, broken clock? Broken, yeah, broken clock. Now I'm looking at, at Bruce Willis. Um, uh, don't worry, you'll turn around and he's just there in your air vent. Uh, if Bruce Willis showed up in my air vent, I would be so pleased. Even if he was about to kill me, I'd be like, oh my god, Bruce Willis. Hi. Anyways, alright. Um, so yeah, yeah. So, nice on the surface, but yeah, a little hesitant just because of, yeah, Tencent, right? Yes, it's very sus. Not just a little sus, very sus. Right. <laughs> well, let's yeet on over. Oh, no. You you said it. You said yeet first. 
All right. Uh, it's popped up in a lot of my uh, videos lately, and not just you know teenagers. It's some of the documentary slash uh, L, uh, educational stuff I've uh, I watch. It's kind of weird that it's been normalized that much. So that means that it's no longer cool with the kids. So I'm allowed to say it. Indeed. Indeed. All right. Um, that was our last news topic that's outside of Community Corner. So let's let's shift on over to that. Um, we got uh, a couple a couple of things in our submissions, suggestions, uh, Discord uh, channel. Um, and one of them sort of blew up into an extended subject that, or extended topic that you went into. So I'm going to read the original, oh no, wait, no, the Final Fantasy one is first. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I saw an article for that and I didn't realize that was a community topic thing until, you know, after we got started. Yeah. Uh, I guess Otaku is as good as any, right? Yes. So we got this sent to us by, who sent us this one? Jim? Yeah, it was Jim. Uh, Final Fantasy fourteen is so popular, even the digital version sold out. Um, Which, is that, you know, the first time. I mean, there's been, uh, typically with third-party stuff on Steam, if something gets very popular in a, in a sale, uh, the Steam store just has so many keys. So, you know, if you get, for some reason, buy something on EA or Ubisoft... Uh, Steam only has access to so many keys to be able to link them to your other accounts because it's they're a third party thing. So it's not unusual. What is unusual is this is a first party thing, and it might be the fact that they're trying to artificially limit this for whatever reason. You know, going full Nintendo. Yeah. Well, the speculation in the in the news article is um, something to do with something like server problems, and they're trying to limit issues with their servers. Um, cause not only is it, you know, an influx of new players, but they were doing like a, a free, like you could play, come back. If you were a returning person, uh, returning sub who, um, was getting the DLC or whatever, the, the new expansion, you could play for another two weeks for quote mm-hmm. unquote free. So there were a bunch of pe- new, you know, old accounts coming back that hadn't played in a while, plus a bunch of new accounts. And the so thing that's is the also, speculation. And the thing is also an MMO. It's most popular right after an expansion or its initial release. And one thing I've seen on Death of a Game, which we'll get to in later, uh, is that a, a big problem for MMOs is either under-expanding their server base or expecting that influx to, stay, uh, to stick and over-expanding and spending too much capital on what then turns into just empty infrastructure. So this, you know, they, they might be onto something that they're trying to limit uh, the amount of players coming in all at once. Yeah. Square Enix has had a really good um, track record with Final Fantasy 14. Like, I mean, I'm, I haven't, I've never played. I keep intending to play. You know, I've heard many people tell me like, oh, you should play. You would like this, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But I have heard people talk about it for years on certain podcasts that I listen to and sort of the growth and development of this game over time and changes that, that they had made. And like they they I remember in, in the early days of Final Fantasy 14, like they took it down and like rebuilt the game and relaunched it after so much like player feedback about how it was broken and terrible. Like, I mean, it, it's a game that has really, 
you know, tried to or at least put on a, a face of trying to do right by its players and earned a lot of, you know, community goodwill with that. So I think yeah, a lot of worry, people want to give it sooner or later. Yeah, I'm sure. So I think a lot of people want to give it the benefit of the doubt. And honestly, I do too. Like, I want to think that this isn't like something stupid, you know, or something malicious, but just like, you know, they're trying to find a new solution to this problem of, well, do we have like massive queues on our servers and people get pissed off or do we over spend and then have, you know, all this back end. And I don't know if it's something that they could like rent servers from Amazon or Google or Microsoft or it whoever. It really depends on, that, on their server infrastructure. It, it you know, uh, if they're already renting from Amazon, then it's a lot easier. If it's their own server farm somewhere, not so much. Yeah. So. I would like to give them the benefit of the doubt, though, but we'll see. See how it, all this, you know, see how it all pans out. Sorry, I was linking you something. Did you that, say? Okay, yeah. That, that I thought you might find amusing. Uh, so next up is kind of like this pretty big mini topic. Video game sale for crazy prices at auction. And what we got linked originally was the Mario 64 sealed copy in near perfect mint condition. That sold for what? $1.2 million? One point five six million dollars. Sorry. Yeah, and the original article title is "Someone spent one point five six million on copy of Super Mario sixty four instead of just like downloading it." And I mean, it's the this same group just passing games back and forth, uh, really trying to just inflate the market at the same auction, mind you. The, a couple days before, we had. Uh, we saw Legend of Zelda, the NES version, uh, set a record before this at eight hundred seventy thousand, and then the server, or then the auction, it was an online video auction, got DDoSed before they got to Mario. So, yo, know, kind of drew more attention to it. It's just crazy. Yeah. And at the same auction, uh, just to get, put things in perspective, a sealed copy of Skyrim sold for 600 bucks. Skyrim. You, you can get it on your damn smart devices and you know, refrigerators. and But no, uh, you buy a, a sealed copy for 600 bucks as a collector's item because you know, it's a rare and valuable piece of gaming history, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure how I feel about this. Part of me is like, well, it's their money. Like, who cares what they spend it on? You know, they can yeah, spend the it on is, worse things. But yeah, then but the, the other part is, of me is like, this is these, so wasteful. Why? Well, neither of these are rare. I mean, okay, they're you know in good condition, but they're not rare games. I would understand. Uh, uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, there was one that uh, a packing title that only sold for a. Uh, for a small amount of time with the uh, uh, with the power pad on the original NES before they pulled it and swapped it out for something else. Uh, uh, having, I, I have no idea. Uh, having that sell for a you know, million dollars. Right. One of those things where scarcity makes it, mm-hmm. you know, more valuable in, in the sense, you know, I mean, yeah. in the, the age old thing, like anything is only as valuable as what someone is willing to pay for it. So yeah, it doesn't really matter. That. 
yeah, like people were willing to pay this much money for these things, you know, one, you know, one and a or, half million bucks or the world championship uh, cartridges that there's only a handful of, of for each year. Yeah, I'm just I won't Google it. It was stadium events. Uh, uh, a sealed copy is estimated. This is from uh, how long ago is this article? Because it's showing uh, original Super Mario Brothers at 100 to 600,000. Uh, but it's estimated like 40,000 if it's sealed in, in mint condition. Yeah, games that are rare or hard to find or that just released like late in the life cycle that, you know, you didn't see that much of, right? It's just, eh. Yeah. It just, it, it, I mean, it, it just seems so silly, but this is kind of getting into that whole, you know, art world where, you know, you have just stupid amounts of money for a, a lot on a, on a canvas, right? Yeah. I also have the exact same feelings about that stuff. I don't just feel like this is wasteful because it's a video game. I think people who spend millions of dollars on art, no matter how, you know, iconic that art might be, is wasteful. Like, I'm all for supporting artists. I have... If I keep going at the rate I'm going, I might wind up putting Lexi through college. <laughs> no, I don't spend that much money. But definitely, you know, and, and, you know, she'll be able to feed herself for a while with all the money I keep spending, you know. But pay artists for their work, just like you would pay anybody else for their work. But, you know, the art that she gives me, I don't think is worth, you know, millions of dollars, no matter how good I think it is. Like, to me, that seems very wasteful. That money should be spent on other things I don't know I'm I'm at I have been in a in a transition point for a lot of stuff in my life over the last couple of years and this is the first time this type of thing has come up in a while that I've you know paid attention to and I'm like man just spend that money on like helping people who need stuff like obviously if you're spending one and a half billion dollars on video games you got a lot more money lying around like do something with that that's useful at, for our planet and for people yeah, but that's kind of capitalism for you as well, huh? Selfish bastards. Yes. Welcome to the leftist portion of the pod- <laughs> podcast. So yeah, there was the, the and the articles you've linked. Um, there was a different one for Mario, and then we've got the link that Jim gave us. Um, and then there's one for Zelda, which was mentioned, and then Skyrim, which you also mentioned. So yeah, so uh, the one I was uh, looking at, uh, the stadium events. Uh, basically, uh, it was going to be a third-party published game. And then Nintendo decided to bring it in-house, so they recalled all the copies, and there's only an estimated thousand or two that are out in the wild. Because it was a packing title as well, so... Uh, of the 2,000 uh, believed to have been total distributed in Italy, Bondi... Or, sorry, oh, sorry, Tally. Uh... uh it doesn't account for how many that were sold prior to Nintendo's recall, so they've recalled them on top of everything else. Yeah. So that I could see being expensive. Not, yeah. New car expensive, but right? Yeah. Not new hypercar level of expensive. No, that's the Super Mario Brothers early variant uh, sealed and graded. Yeah. Uh, over half a million, and that's before you get to the you know newest stuff, right? Yeah. 
So uh, it's just crazy, huh? But hey, if the way Nintendo's going, you know, uh, some of their download only games might be that as well because, yeah, right? Yeah. Selling a Switch for a million bucks that has a copy of what's that 30th anniversary Mario or whatever that was limited edition? Uh, well, it wasn't Mario 35 because that gets delete that auto deleted. Oh, which, yeah, well, it auto deleted. Um, somebody uh, figured out somebody some way figured out a way to keep that. Yeah, it was like you know well, they did. Yeah. Um, which was a sad, which was sad because Mario 35 was actually pretty damn fun. I, I'll I'll be shocked if they don't release a full game like that at some point. But this is also Nintendo, so yeah, they do silly things. Nintendo uh, is gonna Nintendo uh, it up. Th- it was the three pack with uh, Mario sixty four, Mario Sunshine, and Mario Galaxy or something like that. That was only put out that year uh, in digital uh, form and physical, right? Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, I, I I really expect at some point Nintendo is just going to do yeah. You know, Digital only uh, games released for a month and then gone. Because yeah, why not? That's something Nintendo would do. Everyone would love our disappearing games. They'll think of them as a novelty. <laughs> People will call us as as crazy, but but as as genius as David Lynch. <laughs> um. All right. So the last thing you got from Community Corner, we you know you heard us mention at the near the beginning of the recording. Keep sending us something just under the wire, you know, when we got sh- just got started adding it to the show notes. Um, so he uh, he posted, do we have an over under for a death of a game for WoW? Yeah, see, I uh, it was one of the big things uh, this week was World of Warcraft released a story trailer and people were kind of underwhelmed and upset. And I didn't put it on the show notes because... I haven't played WoW in, like, a decade now. <laughs> yeah, I played WoW about two years ago, I, I think. I, I started to look into the comments, and, like, three-quarters of the uh, story that they were talking about made absolutely no sense to me. But, you know, that is World of Warcraft. Uh, I think Death of a Game uh, is a little bit premature. I'm assuming we're talking, like, Nerd Slayer Death of a Game video. That's what I assume. Um, uh, I will think that we'll see kind of a, a plateau and not be the behemoth that it currently is. I mean, I think there's uh, a lot of people who would argue that it's already plateaued. Like, Yeah. Yeah, I'll drop the article on this as soon as I find it. Uh, yeah, it's from PC Gamer. World of Warcraft's latest cinematic is a narrative disaster and players hate it. So, it turns out Sylvanas is evil again, I guess? Uh, I don't know. I Last time I played it was Cataclysm. And honestly, yeah. Cataclysm was kind of underwhelming. I, I haven't paid attention to Warcraft's story in a long time. Well, uh, from what I understand, it's no longer thralls like Orca Jesus and does everything anymore. So there is that. Or Jesus. I mean, Death of the Game has done a couple of ones that I think are premature here here lately um, over the last few months. And I mean, you know, I think I get it a little bit like 
wanting to talk about more relevant um, stuff that's that's more current or running out of certain topics to talk about, and so going for some low hanging fruit like, um, let's see, what's their most recent? I'm going to look on them now. Uh, Battlefield Heroes was what last week? I haven't watched that one. Um, Guns of Icarus. Guns of Icarus isn't dead, is it? Talking about Marvel's Uh, Avengers. Marvel's Avengers, while, you know, not doing good, probably dead. Like, I feel like, and maybe this is just me, but I feel like the death of a game series was, has been at its best when it, it does talk about games which are dead or, you know, um, maybe still exist, but only as like those very few fan, you know, projects that were kept alive by fans. Yeah. Like uh, scavengers. I'd even heard of whenever uh, before it died or before I saw it on there, I should say. Yeah. Uh, crucible was really on point. Anarchy online. Uh, it's still a niche thing. Anthem definitely because right. Avengers. Uh, Fortnite yeah. saved the world. I think it's on point. Right. Uh, uh the, the single player component. Yeah. The only good part of Fortnite <laughs> from an old man, the perspective of an, of an old man. Also don't forget installing. That's true. I mean, I, I don't I, think we'll get one for I don't I mean I don't think we'll get one for a while. Maybe we will. Has has Nerds No oh shit, I clicked on that. I didn't mean to click on that. No. Loud intro music. Okay, there we go. Uh, I mean, what, I think, uh, what other games does he do? Does he do other videos other than Death of a Game? Uh, he's done a few, but they don't seem as popular. I might the, the see curse, him doing something on WoW, but it the not curse of being... meta and MMORPGs. Uh, he did. What if Animal Crossing was an MMO? Um. Uh oh, the editorials. So let's see. Kickstarter MMOs, something called a report card. By classic WoW could save the MMORPG genre. Eve Online, the best PvP MMO you won't play. <laughs> uh, some other stuff there. I mean, his main thing is death of a game, which un- is understandable. Even though I, it does look like you know, uh, his latest videos haven't performed nearly as well as his older stuff, but you know, it's also age, right? Yeah. And he only puts out a video every few weeks or a couple, or a month. So yeah. yeah, there is also that as well. Got he did two. do a review of Classic Wild though. I mean, yeah. I, I think we're I expect it not this year, maybe next year to see a death of a game of World of Warcraft, especially if the next expansion, which I have no idea when the next one's supposed to go. Uh, they're just on the first major patch of the current one, so probably ne- late next year. If it doesn't, you know, start to really catch things up. Yeah. I, um... Well, uh, yeah, I'm I don't know. I, I don't expect anything to stick around for forever. Nothing lasts forever. Mm-hmm. Um, so eventually, WoW will die at some point, and who knows? Maybe this is it. Maybe this is the, you know, the time that WoW actually dies. But, you know, just going to stick around and, or, well, not stick around, but just kind of watch and see what happens. Yeah, damn. 
Uh, Cataclysm was 10 years ago. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah, and Shadowlands released in October of 2020. So, uh, actually, expansions have been like every other year-ish. So, I would say we're not due for another WoW expansion until 2022. So, probably 2023 if the next expansion doesn't do better. Assuming, of course, death of a game yeah, continues on, right? Because that's the other thing is, yeah, the channel may not survive, right? Yeah. Uh, but we can always do a po- post-mortem, yeah, but, yeah. Uh, there's a lot of uh, yeah, dead tissue there already. I think the biggest problem that WoW had is they blew their load too early. Look at the first two expansions. That's like the prime World of Warcraft lo- lore. Or I should say the Warcraft lore, not World of Warcraft. But, you know, they knocked out pretty much all their big bads in the first two or three expansions. Never mind the fact that, you know, you have the problem with uh, escalating threats, uh, you know, uh, dealing with Cthulhu monsters, and, oh, uh, well, uh, we're back to, you know, reset the next expansion, and it feels underwhelming. Uh, The fact that they killed off so many of their big bads in the first couple of expansions, and they sucked at introducing new antagonists outside of, oh, well, this hero is now corrupted. Right? Yeah. And I don't I'm know. sorry, but corruption is, in my opinion, a very, very lazy way to write a story. It will work as a one-off or in a more general sense. Like, the idea that Deathwing got corrupted because he was the aspect of the Earth. Alright? And having this more general sense, or this more, like, godlike being get slowly get corrupted uh, uh, makes a lot more sense than well, now this random hero got corrupted, and, or this one was evil all along, or it's just, uh, just so lazy. I think corruption can be done well as a storytelling thing when it's shown as like a struggle, and it, you have to be careful too that you don't get too cl- cliched with it. But like a character who's like just out of the blue, all of a sudden, like oh, they got corrupted to the the dark side or whatever. It's like okay, that's lazy. But when you have a character that goes through, you know, in the case of an MMO, multiple story arcs and expansions and things, you can see them teetering on the brink. Maybe in one expansion, they, you know, tap into a little bit of the dark side power or whatever, you know, for the appropriate universe. And um, that tempts them and that leads them towards corruption. Like that's that story. Corruption is a storytelling mechanic used well. Versus, like, uh, we need a new bad guy. Let's corrupt the old hero. Yeah, which uh, the other issue is because of the split factions. Uh, you know, you may not even see ha- half the story because, right? Yeah, and that's the other real issue with uh, World of Warcraft. Uh, is that yeah, lore-wise, there's not really a lot of reason to split the. Uh, Factions like the, like they do anymore because right outside of yeah 
game mechanics. Unless yeah. they unless something changed in the last few expansions. Because it's like, oh, we're at peace again. Oh, now war again. Now peace again. Now war again. Yep, the last time I played, everybody was at peace. So, you know. I don't know. I didn't really well, think well, much about it, though. Well, I guess corruption does make a lot more sense than Orc Sue. Ugh. Having Grawl do everything and be awesome all the time is also very lazy story writing. A Mary Sue is a boring, one-dimensional character, and frankly, I hated Thrall right for it. And Chris Benson uh, is a hack of a writer. Tell us how you really feel. Although it does sound like uh, World of Warcraft hasn't uh, gotten any better since he left, so, right? I never paid super close attention to the Warcraft slash World of Warcraft floor. I mean, I, well, I, you know, I know who Thrall is and stuff, like, mm-hmm. you know, but I was never super into it. Well, there's a shock. Seems I mean, like, it's, it wasn't sci-fi. Sci-fi mm-hmm. is usually where I go all in on lore. Yeah, true. It just seemed like every time uh, something happened, oh, it's, well, we'll just have Thrall save the day again. Or corruption, or corrupted Thrall, or or uncorrupted Thrall, or whatever. Corrupt thrall save the day. Yeah. Here I come to save the day. All right. Uh, that's that. That does it for our community corner submission stuff. How can they, uh, Rach? How can they get in contact with us if they want to send well, in you, things? Well, you could do so by sending it to us at vglpodcast at gmail dot com, uh, tweeting it to us vglpodcast on the Twitter, or dropping in Discord like Cube did, which you can find that over at vglpodcast dot podbean dot com. Indeed. Uh, you want to do a discovery queue? We got time. Yeah, I'm we can do one two, what, one, two, one Q. One, two, Q for you. I hit the music. Yay. And, of course, I have one because I have my Q open. And, right. So, Black Skylands, a uh, open-world roguelite adventure, but steampunk. It, it, it looks interesting. It's early access. It's from Tiny Build. Which has a history of yeah, really odd and interesting games. Although sometimes they do fall flat. See Hello Neighbor. Right. But overall they have a decent track record. And this has kind of a, a very old school art style on top of just being very colorful. And well, yeah, steampunk is something that you don't see too often, which is nice. Yeah, uh, I feel like, like Steampunk was really popular like a decade or so ago, mm-hmm. and then it kind of died down in popularity again. But it looks like there's a, a bit of a town builder in it as well as you build up a, a town uh, to get uh, resources to uh, build stuff. Then you go out and explore in the roguelike uh, uh, situation, then bring the resources back and uh, rinse and repeat. Early access still, but yeah, looks good. And Sounds pretty not, interesting. And not terribly expensive. And it does look like there's a bundle with a Graveyard Keeper uh, as well. So if you have Graveyard Keeper, there might be a an additional discount there. Nice. Um, so I got one, my first game. Uh, Hell Architect Prologue. I, I have to say, I've seen several games do this at this point, where that they have a prologue or whatever that's basically a demo. 
and then you know in the page it's like check out the full game although hell architect is not looks like it's coming out later in 2021 anyways this is a um looks like a hell uh bit colony building management sim where that you build hell your way and take care of the centers and torture them and ensure that they dislike their torture hell architect looks looks kind of funny i hope i hope it's very tongue-in-cheek this would be great if it was humorous instead of just like a, a biz, you know a a sim you know management game with uh, a little bit of a silly art style you know i hope the game really plays up the the hell satan aspect of it that would be great okay i got one uh the other uh, developer that or publisher that usually has very interesting, if sometimes not for me, games, Devolver, Boomerang X, an arena shooter where you're throwing boomerangs around, jumping through the air, and it's it has this like early two thousands uh, kind of aesthetic where it's low poly but still colorful. Doesn't look like it's a roguelike though, so it looks more akin to like Doom, where it's fast-paced, uh, a read and shooter trying to just survive and continue through the uh, through the story. Uh, okay. The uh, but you're armed with the boomerangs, <laughs> right? Looks neat, neat art style. Yeah, uh, it looks a lot better in motion. Uh, the trailer shows it a bit better, and how things get a little crazy. I, I, actually, I would go more like serious sam than uh anything else with a a large amount of enemies to deal with in an arena yeah although not quite as crazy as that but looks like boss fights could get a little intense as well so yeah that looks neat um i'm I'm watching the the trailer for the art style yeah it gives a better idea of what to expect on it yeah so um let's see i got Galactic Mining Corp, a roguelite action game with crafting and base building mechanics. Head to uncharted space and discover a universe of locations to exploit for riches. Spend your HQ, hire workers, obtain new drill components, and upgrade everything. So, yeah, I'm there for that. Alien space mining management thing. Sign me up, baby. Okay. This one I think is more up your alley than mine, but I think this is one that you might have to check out. My child, Lindsborn, and in a narrative, uh, cho- uh, essentially choose your adventure as you play as the adoptive parent of Clarn or Klaus and experience the struggles as they go through uh, among them. Balance your time and resources wisely. Keep your child, uh, uh, keeping your child, uh, cope with effects of hatred. Okay, a little bit of English there, unless I'm just misreading it. I'm sorry, while helping your child cope with the effects of hatred, I just misread it. It's kind of a uh, seems like a dark subject, huh? Indeed. Sorry, I had to a yawn. Uh, a dark subject co- uh, combined with a, you know, trying to protect a child, really. Uh, and uh, teach them how to survive. Yeah, it has kind of a uh, "Don't Starve" aesthetic to the art style. Huh? That, that I think it's the eyes, really. 
Yeah, my answer. I never. Yeah, can, can, can you help? Like- can you help your child cope with the effects of hatred? I mean, damn right. And this is a BAFTA award-winning game as well. Uh, not sure why it's just now showing up on Steam because right. Uh, oh, sorry, it released in May, so it's been out for a while. It just might be you know the queue's finally starting to show things that aren't just you know VR only titles, which it's still doing quite a bit for me. Yeah, I haven't. I haven't got any VR only titles just yet. I uh, had to um, bypass two of them, but yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, balance uh, time and resources while tra- uh, helping your child uh, cope with the effects of hatred. Dark subject could be really interesting. I would say, like I said, it sounds more like your uh, type of game to mine, though. Yeah, it does. Um, so I got a game, Bop Bopio, 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 whatever. Game about uh, obtaining materials, constructing a building, and assembling a spaceship to return home. So a very sort of, you know, Factorio-esque concept from that. But it's, you know, automation, mining, resource gathering, um, alien fighting thing. Right up my alley. Yeah, I'm getting a really, really shitty cue here. Desmeth's Mysterious Journey 2. A puzzle adventure game where uh, you're playing two tourists uh, and you find yourselves... Uh, engaged in a series of mysterious events, solve intriguing puzzles, and unfold the story, which will be on the edge of your seat until the very end. So, yeah. And sorry if the cat is going absolutely nuts uh, in the background. Oh, I can't. I can't hear the cat. Yeah, thankfully you can't because she's been a bit of a butt today. She's being needy. But, yeah, it has the kind of a uh, uh, best feel to this. Just with some of the uh, screenshots, which I think is what they were going for, really. Doesn't really uh, give you an idea of what to expect, though, huh? Yeah. Because uh, this is a very influential game, but it's also a very dated uh, game in the way of mechanics. And also considering uh, 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 how, how is this game relevant to you? You played Euro Truck and American Truck Simulator. <laughs> right. Yeah, so I just wrapped my queue. I only had three things on it. If you want to go for another one, fine. How many do you have left on your queue? I have two more, and I do have one here. I think you had this in your queue a while back, but oh, what the hell. Orcs must die three. It's orcs must die, but one more. Uh, Coming out in nine days. Uh... At least I think you had this on your queue at some point. Uh, Orcs Must Die is a tower defense game where you craft traps and just basically try to uh, prevent your crystal from taking too much damage. I mean, at the crux of it, but the idea of it is that you're also... uh, It's a third-person shooter on top of things, so you have to protect your character and try to just uh, keep things going. Uh, I know this. I played the first one. I haven't played the second one, though. Uh, it is very co op focused, though, so that is something. Mm-hmm. And also, why uh, I didn't play much of it. So, you got one? No, I. you said you only had a couple left, so I didn't start another queue. Alright. Uh, 
Okay, well, I got one last one. My last one on the on my queue. It's another one of those uh, that might be a tool for you someday. Okay. Wild Shape Map Editor plus VVT. It's uh, an all-new way to create and play tabletop games in a beautiful animated 3D map. So a map creator to uh, with uh, sounds like GM tools built into it as well. 20 bucks, which is a little, right? Depending on if everybody needs it, right? Because for an online DM session, or, uh, yeah, roleplay session, that might get expensive quickly, huh? It is very pretty, though. I will give it that. But so many different tools for this, huh? Hello? Hello? Oh, there you are. You got a little quiet, so. Sorry. I had a, I muted myself for a big yawn or two, and was then just sort of waiting on you to, to finish your yeah. your list as the sleep slowly takes hold of my buddy. Uh, as I bore you to death. But yeah, a uh, way to create uh, maps for online uh, well, role-playing events. Yes. Although, because it's pretty, it's going to be a lot harder for yeah, everybody to run it, because, right? Yeah. Let's see. Where's the thing? There's the thing. Yeah. on. Uh, or is that it? Uh, that, that's it for my queue. That was my last thing. I, cool. I, skipped, I skipped a lot of trash this time around. Yeah, I had a lot of bad stuff in my queue. A lot of bad. I mean, honestly, a lot of mine was like, oh, this would be perfect for you. Not for me, though. Um. So, should I hit him with the socials? Why, yes, Rage. Hit him with the socials. <laughs> Uh, I've been Caffeine Rage. You can find me on Twitter, GameWizCR, if you wish to be my friend on Steam. You can find me over there, Caffeine Rage. And you've been? Gaming Psychologist. You can find me on the YouTubes by searching for ser- such at or on Twitter at JMA4707. Or feel free to hit me up on the Discord channel and private chat if you feel like you'd like to talk privately. Um, and you can be my friend on Steam by sending in friend request to JR34707. Yeah, and let's just skip the password, because I think we're about to uh, both just keel over, huh? Yeah. <laughs> password is nap time. Oh, wow. Oh, so, scrolling all the way back up. Uh, once again, you can contact us, podcast at gmail.com with your letters, voicemails, game-related topics. Tweet them to us at Podcast or drop them in the Discord, where we'll see them and maybe even scramble to add them to the show at the last moment. Uh, you can find that over at vglpodcast.podbean.com. And if you wish to spread the love, you can find us on your podcatcher of choice. Or if you just wanted to check out the show notes, there it's over there as well, as well as links to the Discord and all our stuff that's mostly you know, uh, abandoned at this point, huh? <laughs> our lovely, lovely patrons have made this possible. You can find out more about that over at patreon.com slash podcast. Our intro and outro music is on the ground, and our Discovery Cube music is doobly do, both by Kevin McLeod. Both can be found at incomputech.com. And as always, as this lovely music starts to roll across my voice, bye bye now. See you next time. Bye bye.